You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Welcome to the You Can Mentor podcast. I am with another master mentor in the heart of Oklahoma City. This guy really is worldwide. You have probably seen him, heard him, been a part of some of his trainings all over the country. I am, I'm going to do my best to just kind of get out of his way and teach us today on the power of a mentoring relationship, on how to inspire young people, how to equip young people, how to launch young people, how master mentors do it. So you're going to get some tricks to the trade today. This is my friend Derek Sire who was raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the north side of north Tulsa, side, Oklahoma, back in the 80s. Mm. You're an 80s baby. I'm an 80s baby. Yeah, 80s baby. But man, he his family, he talks about his family and story all the time. He talks about his dad, which I just so, I feel like I know the man because he talks about him so much. And in that family, it was all about loving people, just loving people. And so I met Derek a few years ago and I don't know from day one conversation mm -hmm. day one conversation it was me trying to out love on you while you were trying to love on me mm. it, was, it was I don't know if you know I was kind of secretly in competition really yeah there's a book and they call it the worthy foe the worthy competitor <laughs> the, the worthy villain right it's somebody that you love but you also like you want to be better than right I can I can imagine like magic and Isaiah going at it are like Bird and Jordan. It's like somebody yeah. that you respected so much, but you hated yeah. them out at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I have, we have, we have a, a mutual friend, and, and I I, the way I introduce him like in spaces when I talk about it, he's my friend, but because I always try to keep it culturally real, like when you keep it culturally real, you're like, I don't really, ask, you don't know this, but I don't necessarily always introduce you as Derek as my friend or he's my boy. I, I kind of give you like nephew status. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the first time I've heard that. I know, I know. It's like when they say, "Do you know Derek?" I was like, "Oh, that's my nephew." Yeah, yeah. But and, I mean, I mean, you're not really my nephew right, by right, blood, right. but there's, right. a, there's, I have to let them know it's deeper than yeah the the friend. And then and you know, people say, "I heard Derek works for you." Like, no, Derek don't work for me. I mean, no, he might say, "Yeah, that's my boss" or something because yes. we had that relationship right. for a period of time. But you got to know, man, it's deeper than than that. It's it's cousin, nephew, brother, yeah, something, something of that nature. Well, see, I would have assumed that, but to hear you say it, right, that like strikes a, a heartstring. Yeah. And so that's cool. I like yeah, that. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not trying to even be older, but I mean, because you got as much, much gray hair as I do. I do. I probably have more, actually. <laughs> <laughs> not I think, yeah. you know, dad was like, he was silver. He was like a full head oh, of gray. Oh, yeah. So you're going there. I'm on my way. You're on your way. Yeah. Talk about your family, man. Talk about yourself a little bit. Let us know yeah. who you are. So, you know, I always center on my dad. So I'll, I'll end with that. But I just grew up in North Tulsa. And I uh, went to Booker T. Washington High School. For those of you that are familiar with North Tulsa, I came up through Sam Houston, then went to Carver, then went to Booker T. And some people, when you're from Tulsa, when you say you're from North Tulsa, they, they got to ask follow-up questions, right? It's like people that say they're from Oklahoma City, but they actually <laughs> live in Norman. Right. You know, unless right. you're familiar with Oklahoma City, you wouldn't even know Norman, you know, was where it was. Uh -huh. Same with Tulsa. People say they're from Skytuck or Claremore or Catoosa or Bigsby. It's like, you ain't. Yeah. Now, you tell me from Tulsa, I got follow-up questions, right? So when, when I tell people I'm from North Tulsa, it's not Admiral. Come on. You, you got to go a little bit further north. It's, it's, not, it's not Pine, right? It's not Apache. Uh -huh. It's not 36. Come on. I am four blocks from Turley. So I'm north, north. Like, north, no, north. I'm north with F. 
I'm no, I'm North Tulsa. Come on, like right. down the street from Greeley, uh, right? Warehouse Market. I'm about a mile and a half from McLean High School. Like I'm North Tulsa. And when I tell you, man, there's so much love. People, I think they they say a lot about like low income poverty, high crime areas. But what I can tell you that most people would not associate with those communities is that there's so much love, man. Everybody knows mm. everybody. It's a tight knit community, right? Because you're sharing a small space, you're sharing resources. People that are in those places are probably not going in and out of the hood, right? They spend a lot of their time there. So they're going to school there. They're down at the park. They're swimming there. They're riding their bikes there. So when people tell you about the hood and they tell you about all this, this negative stuff, I want to add the, the flair. There's love and there's shared resources and it's tight knit. If you get in trouble at school, you're going to hear about it three or four times yeah. on the way home. Yeah. We, we, we didn't uh, have watches. We had street lights. You know what yeah, I said? Time to come home. Yeah, time to come home. Mm -hmm. and, and everybody was at everybody's houses and I ate uh, at one place and they would come to my house and eat and we do laundry at another place and they do laundry at my place and my dad coaches sports and we was picking kids up. and So I grew up in a community that was really, really tight knit, right? And I'm sure we'll get into this later, but relationship is literally how I was brought up. You go, you bring a friend over and mom, such and such is here and she would say, hey baby, mm -hmm. how is your aunt? Yes. How is your Mama, I know your people. How's your grandma? How your great? Did she ever? Did she ever do? Did she ever finish that? Did she, uh -huh. did, did it ha I know she was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Did she? Yeah, mm -hmm. he, yeah. He had to know, so he had to be up on where. On. Yeah, everything. Yeah, my dad says it because because his his community was the same way, and he says the exact same thing you said, but he says it in 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 this way. He says we all grew up in the same area and we shared the struggle mm. that we didn't really know was a struggle until we got away from here. Mm -hmm. We didn't even know we was poor. Yeah. We didn't even know we was lack without yeah. because we always had what we needed to get by. We didn't, we didn't want for anything until we left here and mm -hmm. found out there was other things to want. Yeah. We yeah. had what we needed. But yeah. you think about like, that's the reason people resonate with, with certain uh, songs or music or movies, right? I think uh, the people that are outside of the, the community, when they look at things like rap or fashion or the culture, they don't understand how people can identify with or glorify it. But you got to think like, this person is rapping about something that I'm living. Mm -hmm. They lived it too. So yeah. when they're talking about, you know, like food stamps and public aid and houses and apartment complexes and fights and, you know, the clothes and tennis shoes, like I, I, I'm not trying to necessarily glorify everything that comes with it, but I identify with it, right? right? This is somebody who's lived my life and they can make a rhyme and put it to a beat. But the reason that I could dance to it and vibe with it and bump it in my car, because that's my story. Man. And so now, okay, I got to transition that story, right, to you're, you're away from there. Okay. You get, you get educated. Yeah. And you pick recreational management of all things. Who knew that this was a thing? Yeah. And, and, you, and you parlay mm -hmm. this recreational management into connecting the world yeah. to people with stories like yours. Yeah. Talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm able to extend my reach to areas of the country. And I pull them together like Spider-Man with stories and show them how they connect, <laughs> yeah. right? Whether it's people from Anaheim in California to, to Brooklyn in New York, right? I'm able, because I've been there and I've been able to connect on a story level, on a very human level, and I'm able to pull those things together, right? And so growing up, pre, no, no, not pre-K, kindergarten through fifth grade, I played six sports, right? And my dad taught all of them. Mm. My daddy didn't play six sports, but he coached all of them because yeah. they needed a coach. Daddy didn't play baseball. He coached baseball, though. Yeah. My daddy didn't coach no swimming, right? But he taught swimming, right? And, and, I, and it, it, I'll, I'll parlay that. I'll, I'll caveat and, and talk about people like the, the, the Williams sisters, Serena who dad never played tennis, mm -hmm. right? But we're going to figure out something, right? They talk about the necessity of being the father of invention, 
right? Like people, they come up and they make our food, right? We get the scraps, we make it a meal, right? You give me the leftovers, I'm going to build a house. You know what I'm saying? You give me the scraps, I'm going to make an outfit. But we've mm. always, you give me the broke instruments, I'm going to make it jazz, right? We talk about the necessity. So my dad, he saw these kids running around without nothing to do. And he decided, I'm going to teach them sports. Yeah. Sports, right? And, and all of the lessons that come with it. Oh, my, and listen, you talk about recreation management. I'm, I'm reaching back for kindergarten, choosing my major in college. Mm. I'm reaching back to six years old, five years old, choosing. I have a story. My dad, he put a basketball. He only had the rim. We didn't have the, the pole at the backboard. We only had the rim. And so dad cut out some, some plywood and put two by fours behind it. And then he nailed it to the house. And then he nailed the basketball goal to the board, right? So I could play basketball. So me and my friends could play basketball. Mm -hmm. And I remember one, one day my friends, they couldn't come over for some whatever reason. And I was shooting the basketball. And if you make it, it goes through the net and the net spins it to where it comes back to you. Yeah. So as long as you were making it, you didn't have to move. Right. Come on, listen, I'm, yeah. I'm talking already. But if you missed it, you would have to chase the ball all over the yard, right? And so the more I missed, the fewer shots I got up. Able to take. And my dad came outside and he said, how many shots are you getting up? I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm getting, you know, 20, 30 shots, 40 shots up. He was like, let me rebound for you. Yeah. And my dad was able to rally in all of my misses so that I could get more shots. Opportunities. It's, it's literally, and I've heard you tell the story, literally, you're the Michael Jar Jordan, but your dad is Dennis Rodman. My goodness. Yeah. Jordan was able to get up more shots because he had somebody whose sole purpose was rebounding the ball. To get your misses. Yes. Give me, give me another shot. Give me another shot. <laughs> yeah. Dennis yeah. wasn't trying to shoot the ball. Right. right. He was probably what? Six, eight points, 18 rebounds career, something like that. I'm making it up. I don't know. Right. But the, re the reason people are able to get up more shots because they got somebody rebounding their misses. My dad, would, he would take the, the moments like this and he would pull them out of everything that we were doing together. Wrestling, wrestling, basketball, baseball, swimming, football, like anything that we were doing on the way home, on the way from practice, in practice, dad never missed a moment. Right. That's part of our mentoring story. You got to be able to identify those mentor moments. At some point, at some point, you have recognized that there was a, a homegrown mm -hmm. Dennis Rodman in your life. Mm. And, and then you come out into the world mm -hmm. and you're doing recreation management and you're doing this kind of stuff. And what I recognized in you uh, when I said, I got to have this guy on my team, mm -hmm. I got to have this guy on my team. And if he can't be on my team, he's going to be a part of my life. And so I started hiring you and inviting you yeah. to be in all the spaces that we do with kids. Yeah. And so at some point you said, there's a whole community of children who need Dennis's. Yes. Who need rebounders, mm -hmm. who needs opportunities, yeah. who are messing up. They're just not getting enough shots. Yeah. And I believe that I have what it takes mm. to give them shots, but I got to be, I got to be strategic about it. Right. And so that's where your mentoring story really kind of connects. Yeah. Help, help us understand what, because you don't do, I mean, you, I would like to say, man, Derek became a master mentor because of me. You were master mentoring long before you met me. So talk about how you eased into mm -hmm. taking your experience. Right. The recreational management stuff, yeah. the, the, your own business and what you were doing for companies and stuff and mm -hmm. said, I'm going to, although I'm doing this across the country in large groups, I got to narrow this down to that one young man or yeah. that young, young woman, which ends up being hundreds of young women and men now. It is. So I think this is a, a good place to kind of start with inspiration, right? We, yeah. we started out uh, this conversation talking about wanting to inspire, equip and launch, right? I, I think uh, everybody starts something that they are able to stand on their own 
because they're inspired. There's some people do things because they don't know anything else to do, right? Some people do things because they've been told that's what they're going to do. But anything that you, you start and you do and you continue to sustain on your own is because you're inspired to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, we're all inspired by different things, yep. right? Yep. I remember uh, there being people who I uh, lived next door to, around the corner to, who, who missed their shot. And that was the only opportunity they, they got, right? In fact, uh, not only did they not get another shot at doing the thing, but they were penalized. They were punished for attempting to shoot and miss and missing, right? Mm. And so when I, when I look back and I think about what made me, we talk about reaching back into my childhood and how that impacts decisions now. I remember being 19, going into the Salvation Army, 18, going to the Salvation Army. And I got into speaking and training because I was the first one that showed up, right? Now I can stop right there and talk about being the first one to show up, <laughs> showing up early, yeah. showing up on time, right? Being eager and then letting that from the inside move me into places, right? I show up, I'm the first one there. They're like, hey, what are you here for? I'm like, oh, I'm here for the job, the, the summer staff. They're like, you're the first one here. You want to learn how to train the rest of the staff? And I said, yes. And that opened up the door to standing in front of people, mm-hmm. learning things, being able to regurgitate it, being able to present it in a way that others got it, being a reference point so when people mess up, they can come back and I can tell them what they did wrong or how to do it right or differently, or whatever that was. But when I, when I think about like, how, did, how was I able to, to piece all these things together and say, okay, how can I go from the world? How can I go from my state? How can I go from my city? How can I go from the university and, and the programs? How do I get down from small groups? And how do I get down to one yeah. person? Yeah. How yeah. do I get down to one person? How do you inspire? So you're talking to the group. Yeah. You're talking to the group. I've seen you do this. I, I, I don't even have, I don't even know how to describe it, Derek. Okay. And a lot of times we lock in on the same person, but there's a group, you're doing exercise, you're speaking, yeah. you're leading us and facilitating these marvelous exercises. And if, and if you're a part of a mentoring group, an organization, and I'm filling up your plate here, but if you're a part Another of a time. mentoring organization that does not have Derek somewhere on your calendar to come and lead an exercise that you and your mentors can now use as food for the month or food for the year, you're making a mistake. Okay. I plug, shameless yeah. plug. But I mean, it's, but we got to give you to the world, but we're, we're watching these exercises take place. And I hardly, I kind of stand in the back off to the side and I listen to what you're saying and I watch the, but I'm watching for the kid Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that we need to pull away, pull out and connect on a personal level. Help us help, help other mentors in other groups find how you find that kid Mm -hmm. and then how you drop the nugget of inspiration on them. Yeah. Well, good thing for mentors is that oftentimes the mentee will choose them. We, I think we kind of get in, we, we get in this rut of, I can't find one. I can't find one. Like I I want one. I reach out. They don't reach back out. I reach out. Right. And we get frustrated and we give up. Right. Or maybe we find one and it doesn't mesh well. And we go through all these things. We put all the pressure on us. And there's some things that we have to do, right? We have to commit at some point in time. We're going to have to chase. We're going to have to invest time and resources. Chase. That, that, yeah, I'm that, underlining that. <laughs> that that'll that'll come down the line. But initially, if we open ourselves up right to the moment, the kid will choose us. Whenever I'm standing in front of a group, one of the things that I love doing is I scan. And there are going to be kids who don't make eye contact with you, and that doesn't mean they're not listening. And then there are going to be some kids that are locked in on you, but that doesn't mean that they are listening, right? It's the ability to tell a story, to deliver a lesson, a nugget, a moment, and then see when it resonates. I've seen a kid not look at me, but his eyes are watering, mm-hmm. right? I, I can see the tears come down. I can see a kid that's fidgeting, right? Because it's hidden on all his notes and he's uncomfortable. Like as a, as a mentor, you have to be able to not only identify it, but when you see it and when you recognize it, 
Now I got to drill down in that moment. And if you open up yourself to the moment and you drill down and you're intuitive and you're attentive and you watch and you see, that kid will choose you. That will come up afterwards and they'll be like, man, mm-hmm. you'll find them playing ping pong with you. They'll, they'll find a reason to be in your space. Can, I, can you give me a ride home? Can I sit in the front seat? We haven't talked about front seat mentoring yet. Oh my gosh. We, we, they'll find a way to, to be around you, right? So when we talk about how do we narrow it down from the group, how do I get in my car, leave my home, leave my job, come to a place where there are a pool of young men and women who want to receive mentoring? Because that's why they're there. They want it. How do I have conversations and shake hands and share stories and then notice, be attentive, be intuitive to somebody that resonates with what I do, how I do it, and why I do it? And then when I identify it, I'm able to hone in on it. I'm telling you, it makes sense. And sometimes, right, it makes sense. And so it's, it's, I want to I kind of highlight some clues okay. that that might be the kid. Uh-huh. It could be the kid that cannot wait to talk to you after the presentation or after the could game. Could be. Or after the game. Mm-hmm. Like he, is, he or she is racing to the front. Yeah. But it could also be the one that is waiting to, that's lagging yeah. unnecessarily behind. Mm-hmm. The next activity or time to go. They're just like, why are you? What's 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 why are you not with the group? Yeah. Like we we've transitioned from here to there, or yeah. it's time to go home. Yeah. And they're they're being intentional about lagging behind. Mm-hmm. The other one might be, I just got unnecessarily bumped by that kid. Yeah, I got unnecessary. Like we already had a greeting and he fist bumped me. Mm-hmm. We already had to get like, why? What's the or the or, or the, sl- the 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 slight invitation, yeah. Like, hey, what you got going on tomorrow? Uh-huh. That slight little thing. Oh, you know what you do? What you do on after school? What you do when you get off? Mm-hmm. That little slight invitation that hardly ever comes. I choose you. Yeah, is that right? Can you identify? Am I, am yeah, I, there, there's there, there's a, the other kid also that is that that is saying, "Ooh, me too." Ooh, me too. Me too. Yeah, ooh, me too. Oh, you play basketball too? <laughs> me too. Oh, you like that music? Me too. Yeah. Me too. Like that. They're, they're searching for that commonality. It, it can also be be the 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 kid. That is bringing other kids to you, right? Hey, I want you to meet this person. Mm. Hey, I want mm. you to meet this person. Right. They they have never said this is my mentor. They've never said this is my guy. This is what they never say anything to you. But they'll keep bringing people. They'll keep bringing people. Uh, it could also be be the the kid that uh, is trying to express, but they can't. And somehow you you see them even though they don't see themselves. Right? That's me. Like I see that kid. He doesn't know what's going on. He can't explain it. He can't like identify. But I see that kid because that kid was me. Mm-hmm. And I have everything that that kid needs in order to get from one level to the next. But right. the kid doesn't know. They'll never say right. it. They'll never say, I need help. They never say it. They never say it. They never say it. Never say it. Uh, hopefully they will. And we try to teach them to, mm-hmm. to, to raise their hand. And, stuff. And, the, and here's the other thing that we both identify, but I want other mentors to get this. <clears throat> There's all the things that we just said. They're, they're signaling you yeah. that you're the guy mm-hmm. or the girl. But they might also say, if you missed it the first couple of times, mm-hmm. nobody is picking up on their whatever their clue is, behavior, mm. negative behavior. Which is an indicator of, I want it. I want it. Would you please give me the structure that you're talking about? Yeah. Would you give it to me? And you have missed every clue that I thought that I was clearly communicating to you that I want you to help me. And you've missed it all. And it comes out yeah. in behavior. Yeah. It's, right. it's, it's the, I'm raising my hand or I'm being silly or I'm being funny. Or I can't sit down. I can't inappropriate laughing. Yeah, yeah. Inappropriate yeah. jokes. Yeah. yeah, distracting others. Yeah. Like that. That. And here's the thing: I, I, we have to understand when, when we're talking about uh, humans, even ourselves. We we come with baggage, right? We come with our own little backpack. You and I have talked about these backpacks, right? They, we come with our own experiences, and sometimes those experiences can determine and dictate how we act in other places. So if I am a, a kid at home, and the only way that I can get attention from my mom or my dad is to act out. Because we know it's, it's science. 
some kids would rather be whooped and punished than to be ignored. Mm. Right. And so if, if I am uh, doing that at home, if my way of getting my parents to laugh or look at me or feed me or help me or something, if I got to do this in order to get the attention, then I'm going to transfer and translate that into every environment that I'm in. But if you're a teacher and you don't get my community or where I come from, now I'm labeled a troublemaker and I'm in detention. If you're a coach and you don't understand my community and where I come from, I'm unruly. I have a low attention span. I don't respond properly to authority, right? It's like, if you get, if you get a chance, you know, there's some kids that I understand better as soon as I meet their parents. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just right. makes so much oh, more sense. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. I know exactly as where soon you get that as I, from. As soon as yeah. I go to their home and I see their environment, I immediately get there. And you kind of make it a point to get there. Yeah, yeah. I got to. You make it a point to get and there. The, and the, again, this is when you, when you narrow it down, right? We're talking about how do I go from paying 48 cents a day to feed a kid in some third world country to uh, contributing to United Way or anybody that's helping a community when I get down to a program and I'm, when I get down to a group and I take groups out to movies and bowling, when I can get past all that and I can see one kid, mm-hmm. because that's what mentoring is about. You may be able to have three or four or five kids when you mentor. Hopefully, that's a lot. That's, want, a, that's a handful. That's t- it's almost too much. We're going to have, we kind of narrowed it down to the max that, uh, that I can do. A master mentor, <clears throat> a seasoned professional. The max that I can do yes. effectively uh-huh. is seven. And that is like, if I have a job and a family with seven kids, you are stretched thin, my I friend. Would do, I would never try seven today. Oh, no. I would never try seven. The oh. most that I've ever been effective is seven and that was probably not doing my family any justice i was going to say that you're yep. pulling time from somewhere else and yep. you got seven yep. effectively effectively yeah right because i'm i'm in houses mm-hmm. right i'm having to it's kind of like spinning plates you've seen that you've seen that uh, that yeah with the, with the stick <laughs> with the stick the, that lady did at the in, at the half the halftime game uh-huh. she's spinning all these plates and she got them all going but there's a wobbly one over there and yeah. she has to go over there and and spin that one while this one starts to cave in and she has mm-hmm. to go over there and and she does have crashes yeah she does it. And the whole time, she's trying to balance herself on a one-wheel bike. Yeah. Wow. That one-wheel bike is my family, mm-hmm. is my job, mm-hmm. is, is, is my finances and all that kind of stuff. It's your physical but health, your spiritual it's, it's health. all it's, of that stuff, yeah. right? Right. And so the easiest thing for her to do, she's the only one that started all those plates spinning. Yeah. Right? You are the only one that pick up another mentee mm. or not. Mm. Right? I know now I will never try to spin seven mentees at one time ever again and not and, and, and put on a good show yeah. ain't happening. But you know, the reason we, we have five, six, seven is because we have people who, who won't take one. Mm. Well, don't, don't you start preaching. Listen, that's the only reason I got that many. That's the only reason <laughs> right. you think I want them. <laughs> right. You think like at the, at the point to where my kid, my kids and my family know my mentees. <laughs> right. Right. Are you going to pick them up? Exactly. Yeah, like, Oh, you won't get them for me. You are on the way. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> And so, I, so I think when we're talking about this, this concept of, of being able to narrow down to, to one and, and, you know, we, we kind of caveat and said like no more than five, seven is the max. Like, but if you you're be good at seven, you gotta, you gotta be good. Yeah. You gotta be good. But I would say starting with one and being able to figure out the formula for that one, when you can narrow it down and say, okay, this is what mentorship is. This is the heart of mentorship, the purpose of mentorship. This is how mentorship takes place. It's implemented. When you are able to reach in your pocket and mentor, when you're able to reach in your experience and mentor, when you're when you're able to reach in that sleep bucket and pull out mm-hmm. and mentor, when you're able to do that with one, then you can see where two and three fit. So you get you get, and I'm gonna I'm gonna narrow this down and move on to about the next word I want you to kind of okay. dive into. 
But so the inspiration, the yeah. inspiration you provide to just one mentor, it usually happens in storytelling of your own story. This is true. Right. So you share so much transparency, mm-hmm. so much stuff. You, you pull out your own story yeah. and say, here it is. Dissect me. Mm-hmm. And not only is that my story and it can somehow can connect with somebody in this room. Yeah. I've made it. Wow. I made it. And I'm only here because I want you to make it. Yeah. I want you to make it. So you, you, you cast a big net mm-hmm. and then you, and then you home in and you're looking for clues to see who, if and many people yeah. or many students are probably inspired by portions or part of the story you tell. And then you take that one and somebody's going to need a ride home mm-hmm. or somebody's going to need something and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, let's go, let's fast forward to the relationship has, yeah. you've already got the relationship. This mm-hmm. is a mentor and this is my mentee, one of my five. And so now you have to equip them. I feel like you do an absolute mastery job of being able to load them up or to highlight or peel away all the things that's a part of them yeah. and highlighting their gifts, their talents, their knowledge, their skill, mm-hmm. and then equipping them to use that for the benefit of their family, themselves, and our community. Yeah. And talk about equipping your mentee. I'm, I'm going to talk about that. I, I want to go back and, and before we put a pin in Inspire, yeah. okay. I, I also want to say a good indicator of identifying a mentee is not, not only your ability to inspire them, but they inspire you. Okay, yeah. yeah. Right? Like there are some, some kids some students, some young men and women that I look at their lives and I can see them trying, right? And I can see them taking shots and they just keep missing. I can see it and I'm inspired enough to move on their behalf, right? When we're talking about these indicators, these clues of whether or not that's the kid for you, we can, you know, you can work a job. You can work any job and make money, but there's some jobs you love, mm-hmm. right? And the struggle that comes with doing what you love is embraced. You anticipate it. There's some hard things that I love about mentoring, right? And other people look at it and they're like, man, I don't know if I could do that. You can. You just have to be inspired in the right way, right? In, in the, same, the same way that something that's hard for me is easy for someone else, what's hard, it's the same way with somebody. You're, you're going to find an area. You know what? I hate talking about money, but there are people who, Sebastian Sanders, he's a money guy. Yeah. That's his, his niche. I'm like, if you want a money mentor, I'm sending you to Sebastian. He's an entrepreneur. He's about entrepreneurship and he building is. kids up to be entrepreneurs. Yeah. Not me. Not Sanders me. hands. Sanders, Sanders hands. hands. Yeah. yeah. Check them out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's, that's not my gift and my calling. In fact, if I, if I wanted to do that, I would have to pour so much energy into like getting my knowledge base up in that area in order to mentor you effectively. Otherwise, I'd just be like, just go talk to Sebastian. Like, mm-hmm. that's your guy. And so I, I want to I say that, that in order, sometimes we, we can pick a kid and we can make it work and we can force it and we can fight through all the obstacles and all the frustrations. But I think when we're talking about one that just fits, that feels good, not only are you able to move them, but they're able to move you as well. And then it becomes this relationship where it's not easy, but you embrace it. It's not easy, but you love it. Man, okay. So we're going, we're going, to, go, we're going to move <laughs> to how you equip mentees. Yes. What, you, what, you just, what you just told me is like how to be inspired. And lo- so I was asked, and I, gotta share, I was going to share this with you mm-hmm. yesterday because sometimes I get a story and I was going to share it, but might as well share it on the podcast. Yeah. So yesterday I was asked, okay, Waylon, why, why are you so passionate about kids? Why are you so passionate about the type of kids you mentor? Mm-hmm. And I instantly had to think, like, where did that come from? Like, yeah, where did, where did, where did it come from? So it, it, there's some stuff in my background, right? But the story I told him, and I think you'll identify with this because you just kind of said it, is you get inspired by certain things uh, that makes you just have to do it. Yeah. So, so when I got the house that I raised my kids in, there, it's on the east side, small house. Mm-hmm. But when, when we got it, my dad, my dad purchased it, said, this is going to be rental property, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Yeah. 
I don't want this junky little house. The yard is jacked up. I don't know. But anyway, got, got to follow that. So they got the house and the yard is jacked up. Mm. And I grew up with a plush green front yard. Yeah. And I said, Dad, well, I, I got to fix this yard. He says, well, fix it up. He says, well, I don't know how to fix it. Somebody's been driving the yard, the car up in it, and it's all beat up and it's not level. Mm-hmm. And grass won't grow. It's terrible. He said, level that thing out, man, and, and teal it all up and, and, and then get you some sod. You go get you some sod. I said, where do you get sod from? Down there on 23rd Street. Go get you some sod. Okay. I'm, so I did all of that. Yeah. And I go down with a buddy down to get this, to get this sod, go to the sod farm, get to the sod farm, Derek. And I tell the guy, I got this little yard that mm-hmm. I want to, I want to, I want to put, I want to put a yard in and I need some grass. Yeah. He said, how much you need? You need a, uh, you need a pallet. You need two pallets. Mm-hmm. No, I do not need one or two pallets. I just need a for a front yard. And he said, well, we only sell it by the pallet. And this is how much it costs. Yeah. It was way too much. So I dejected. I'm trying to leave. And he says, Hey, homie, if, if, he didn't say homie. It was, he was really country. Yep. I said homie. <laughs> but it, it was translated to hey, right. hey homie. And so anyway, it, so, uh, so he says, if you, you got a truck? I said, yeah, I brought my truck. He says, take your truck out there in the field and you can go behind the cutter truck and uh, just pick up what he throws to you. So he's going to throw some side to me? Mm-hmm. Said, I don't know if he's going to throw it in my truck. I mean, I have no clue on what he's talking about. But mm-hmm. me and my buddy, we get in our truck and we go out and we follow. And so in this, this truck that's rolling the side, and when it gets to a certain length, it cuts it off into a nice, neat roll. Mm-hmm. And the guy at the back of the truck would take this nice, neat roll and start filling up a pallet till he filled it up. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, every once in a while, because it's a routine and it's going really fast, roll, cut, roll, cut, roll, cut, roll, cut. Every once in a while, the machine didn't roll the side properly. Mm-hmm. It was loose and it wasn't, it wasn't straight. And so the guy at the top, kind of an assembly line kind of fashion, would take the roll that was not round right, right. and throw it out in the field. Which was the clue that me and my friend could have that one because yeah. it wasn't right. Right. It wasn't right. And so we would take the time to jump out of the truck, fix the roll, straighten it up a little bit, and then put it on our truck. And this happened until we got a truckload. And he sold us the truckload of 25, uh, for $25. You can have all the busted rolls you want. Not bad. It was a great deal. Yeah. It was a great deal. But what it required was that I had to take those that weren't wound tight. Mm. I had to I had to be willing to take the ones that nobody else wanted that mm-hmm. they felt like was not valuable. Yeah. It didn't really fit the system, right? That was kind of in the way of the system, right? And I said, and I look in our community and I see all of this rich, valuable people, young men and young women that other people, other systems say they ain't wound just tight enough, yeah. right? There, it takes a whole lot of extra time to deal with them. Mm-hmm. And somebody's got to be willing to come around with their vehicle, with their knowledge, their skill, their, their manpower, their muscles, their grit, and pick those people up. Yeah. Pick those young people up and say, I, I see value, even though you're not wound type and you're getting in their way. Mm-hmm. I see value in what you are. Jeez. I see value in what you are. And you inspire me. Mm-hmm. It inspires me to take those busted roles and to see them grow. Yeah into what other people never saw. Yeah. I saw in that busted role what they can become and that inspires me. That inspires me. And so I had to, I had to tell you that story. I was going to tell you, tell it to you yesterday, but when we talk about not only do we inspire them, yeah. they inspire us and they inspire us because every once in a while you see a really good group of mm-hmm. kids that became what you saw they could become in the first place. Yeah. And it's inspirational. And, and the thing about that is like, for some reason, it doesn't transfer from one topic to the other because people will restore jewelry and houses and <laughs> yeah. cars. But when it comes to people, they're like, nah, uh, I ain't got time. And for I that. understand the work that goes into <laughs> it. Right. But I think it's, it's this concept of, of mentorship. Like if we can find something 
like it, because some people who like cars don't like houses and people who like cars and houses don't necessarily like jewelry mm-hmm. right but if we're going to fi- find an area that inspires you like to move and find somebody that's interested in that right that's a good transition let's transition because we'll get stuck in okay. inspiration equip. Equip. so in order to equip you got to have the tools right yeah and when we think about equipping others uh, oftentimes i think it comes naturally out of the tools that we already possess but we don't know that they're tools right our experiences our profession the things that we've overcome they make us like living experts at those things and and those are the tools that we can use to equip our mentees right so if i just happen to grow up uh with uh, a dad teaching me dad lessons right i i take that for granted but that is a tool the mm. relationship that i have with my father is a tool that i can parlay to help me equip this young man being able to uh, do chores in the house. I was telling, I think I told you about this. There's a kid that I've been mentoring for the last four or five years. And he moves into this, this little trailer park, this trailer home. And he doesn't have any furniture, right? And so we, we fill it with furniture, my wife and I. And he didn't have a bed. We give him a bed. And I was just going to give him the, the box spring and the, the mattress and the frame and the headboard. And my wife was like, well, he's going to need some, like a comforter and some sheets and stuff. And I was like, oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. Mm. So she, we get him this bed in a bag, right? And you yeah. open up the bed in the bag and it has, comforter it has a sheet as a fitted sheet and two pillowcases right and so we're sitting there and uh i was like hey man uh we put the the bed in the room and i was like go ahead and put that together and so i go back out to the car i'm bringing more stuff in i get in there and the bed is completely made but he's like hey i got this sheet like i got this extra sheet that they left in the bag and i know bed in the bags don't come with an extra sheet right 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 and so he's like but it, it didn't fit so i didn't put it on yeah and i was like <laughs> what do you mean it doesn't fit he was like look at it and like, he's trying to put it on i'm like it's a fitted sheet. And he's like, a fitted sheet? I'm like, it's the sheet that goes under the sheet, but on the mattress. And he's like, what? Yeah. We pull everything off the bed. We stretch it across. And he's just sitting there with his hands on his head. Mind like, blown. Just, just <laughs> right? But I grew up in a house with fitted sheets, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a tool that I may not have recognized had the opportunity not presented itself. So when, you, when we're talking to mentors and they feel ill-equipped or unprepared to prepare and equip others, it's like, no. Right, you've gotten to 25, you've gotten to 30, right? You have got some skills and some tools that you can leverage on the behalf of others to equip them for the same situations that you've overcome, but yeah. you just don't know it. Right. So this kid was just equipped. He was just, you just gave him a tool. He sent me a picture. Right. <laughs> it made his bed. He was right. like, coach, look. Right. I'm like, good job on the finish, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, so another example might be, and I'm, I'm just thinking of, we teach, we teach tie tying. Every time we do a man up group and we don't have to talk about man up, but large group right. being a big casting a net, trying to mentor on a, a group for a day, day and a half, two days. Yeah. So anyway, I get a picture of a guy. All I see is a knot, the head, no, no head, just a hand and tie and saying, look, mm-hmm. I got it right. Yeah. And you go, whoa, well, that whole fun thing that we did teaching tie tying, this kid is trying to show me. That yes, you equipped me, mm-hmm. and I'm using that skill in in a, in a space where where he believes it was it was necessary to use it, right? And and again, bang, motivated, yeah. knocked it out of the park. Is there is there if I'm a if I'm a new mentee mm-hmm. or new mentor, and and I'm trying to make sure that I get some value out of the meeting with this mentee, I'm taking them out for whatever for an amusing an amusing day mm-hmm. or an outing. Is there any time that you go? intentionally go, I'm going to have fun with him mm-hmm. or she, I'm going to do these things. It's going to seem mindful, but I have this thing I want. I feel it really feel like I need to equip them with, or is it one lesson, a mm-hmm. series of lessons? Is it one talk, a series of talks Do you stay at one thing until you feel like they've put the tool in their tool belt? Mm, I think that's, 
kid to kid. That's moment to moment. I, I can I can start out uh, long term, ten years, and I could say mentor. Mentorship is a relationship, right? And so anything that you implement, you want to make sure that you continue to reinforce it. You continue to visit, right? Even if they appear to have it down, if you don't bring it up, they'll bring it up to let you know that they retained it, right? Mm. But when I think about, you know, we're talking about tools and, you know, being a, a handyman of mentorship. I remember this guy coming over to hang my TV and he had this uh, little bitty, this little bitty drill bit and he pulled out his drill and he was just, just winding the thing down, just winding the wind until it fits real tight over the little bitty thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm like, man, like you got all these big old tools, you know, and you came with big drill, you got the screwdriver, you got the, the hammer, you got all this stuff. And what are you pulling that out for? Like, we're hanging this big old TV, big old TV. He was like, oh, I have to make this hole in order to make another hole, in order to make another hole, in order to make another hole so that that TV can hang. Mm-hmm. And when I think about relationships with mentees, it's usually, one conversation that gets you trust and rapport to have another conversation yeah. that gets you trust and rapport oh, to good. have a bigger conversation to have trust and rapport. And you, because if you start with a big conversation and it doesn't go well, then you've ruined the opportunity. Right. Mm. But if, if I, if I'm talking to you about, you know, we do, we do it with people all the time. Like if I'm trying to get you to look better from head to toe, then I can start, I can start by talking about brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. You know, I can start by clean socks. I can start, I can have some little conversations. So by the time I'm trying to get you in a suit, Right. I'm not worried about putting a suit on a dirty body. Right. You know, I think there's these these little bitty things that we can do so that when we're trying to hang a big moment, it stays and it doesn't drop. And that's mentorship, like front to back, tail to end, like beginning, like when we when we introduce ourselves, lots and lots and lots of fun. Right. Being familiar, being in their space, learning who they are, how they speak, what they enjoy doing. And then we just drop that little boom, whether it's on the way home or whether if we stop. They're shooting a basketball and we rebound. And it's like, man, you show up, you're getting a lot more shots because you got somebody here rebounding. Yep, mm. throw it back to them. And then we reference that at the, at the end before they get out. You know what I'm saying? Like there's these little bitty things that open the door for bigger things. And I think when we take that approach, instead of coming in, I'm trying to fix your life. I'm trying to make you a better man. It's like, whoa, hold on. Right. That's when you get, you're not my daddy. You know, like that whole yeah. thing. But I think there's this, this process of widening that hole so that we can hang big moments and big lessons. But it starts with those little bitty encounters. So even though you see there's a big project, like there's a big thing that I need to be work. This kid has a, this has a lot of big things. This thing has a lot of big things. Yeah. Let me get this little hole drilled first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so and let me equip them with this little thing. Let me make sure they get this first. And sometimes, right, it, it takes like no time mm-hmm. to do it. And then sometimes it takes many meetings yeah. to do it. And so the, the patience on, on our part as the mentor mm-hmm. is to like, man, I feel like like my other three mentees would have gotten this concept by yeah, now. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I got to stay, I got to stay with this little small thing until I get it. Because that big thing that, yeah. that I saw when I first met them, we gotta, we gotta, we, we gotta, we gotta get there. We gotta get there. Right. But not until we get this. And, and I think some of that, like that has to, to, to do with like, like when, when we, when we, we mentor, 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 or even when we compare one kid to the next, instead of like creating this mm. IEP, you it's know, that we talked about. It's very individual. It's very individualized. And I, and I think even when we are in a, in a space where the kids appear to be similar, right? I, I want that kid to prove to me their individuality instead of me covering them with a blanket assumption just because they look like somebody else. Because, you know, like. Oh, even two, if they live next door. Even yes. if they're the brothers. Yes. Listen, I know twins. I got twin goddaughters and they cannot be more different. <laughs> but I'm saying like for us, we just really have to take the time, right? Because I think if we skip over some things, you get that TV on the wall and it falls. And I do not want to pay for another TV. 
right? Mm-hmm. What is that? So let, let's think about that. What does that look like as we're trying to equip, right? Not only uh, mentors to mentor, but like these mentees to receive this equipping that they're trying to do, right? There have been times where I thought my son had a concept and he didn't, right? This, this generation, I don't want to say this generation, but students, they, they have the ability to make you feel like they have something, but unless you validate it and confirm it, right? They'll just act like they have it, mm-hmm. right? There's, I, I cannot tell you how many people that I've seen come to school with a fresh haircut, right? With brand new Jordans, nice outfits, and they go back home to a raggedy house, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I cannot tell you how many times, and this is just hood life, right? I need you to think that I'm something so that I can survive out in this setting and I can fit in and I can present myself a certain way. And so when, we, when we're hanging with these mentees, sometimes they will fatigue and talking about the same thing. Mm. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I got it. Did you do the thing? Yeah, I did it. Did you talk to mm. your mommy? Yeah, I did it. You right. take the trash out? Yeah, I did it. Yeah. Did you right. read the, did you, yeah, I read it. <laughs> you know, that's the, that's my old math teacher. Like, yeah, I got, here's my homework mm-hmm. and here's all the answers. And she wouldn't accept it till you show your work. Mm, How did you arrive work. at the answer? Yeah. Did I get it right? Yeah, you got it right. Mm-hmm. You got it right. Mm-hmm. But on the back for number one, you're supposed to show me how you arrived at the answer. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I don't want to do that. Yeah. Because you ain't got it. Mm-hmm. You ain't got it. You know what I wanted to see was the right answer. Right. But when I asked you how, to, how you arrived at the right answer, then you don't want to do the back of the work. Because assignment yeah. is not complete, young man. The assignment you is your work. not complete. Yeah, show your work. I yeah. get there. And so, and so I think that that happens a lot when we try to like rush the process. When mm-hmm. we try to speed through. The we mentorship. talked about this. You should have this. Mm-hmm. Didn't mm-hmm. we talk about that? You should have this. These other three got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they got it. How come you don't have it? Especially if you got multiple kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I think that's, I think it's very important to, to pause at this moment and say that every kid you mentor is not going to be the same. Mm-mm. In fact, you should not expect them to be the same. Even if they come from the same school, same youth group, the same neighborhood, the same community, it may turn out that they may be similar, but to assume that they will be is a disservice to the mentorship process and that kid. So we have to take the time and look at those little bitty moments and not rush past them. Did you do it? Yes. How'd you do it? Did you, did you do the thing? And they're going to be so annoyed, right? And, and there's some finesse that takes place in the conversation. Um, because you don't want to be monotonous in your approach. Now, the, 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 here's, a, here's the thing, and I want you to talk about this. Okay. So we got the, the you've, you've given them tools. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, I suspect, I suspect, you know that they have the tools on their tool belt. Yeah. But they don't know they have it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they don't know they have it. Yeah. And, then it and then you come to a moment, let's say quitting. Mm-hmm. Let's say quitting. This is a, this is a thing that, I launched you into. Yeah. We're talking we'll, about launch. We'll get to we're that. talking about. Here's the thing I launched you into. It got tough. And then all of a sudden you're quitting. Mm. But let me tell you about your tool belt. Remember when? Mm-hmm. And then you walk them back down the timeline mm-hmm. of your mentoring mm-hmm. with them and yeah. you start saying, You didn't quit then. You right? Every single time yeah. we were I was launching you. Yeah. I was equipping and you did it. You killed it. How is this different than that? Mm-hmm. How is this? So talk about how you help them understand the tools they already have. Yeah. So I think you, you can't you can't pull on that technique unless you have time. <laughs> you spent time looking at that tool belt. Right. Right. I think sometimes we assume or we transfer certain things to people because they look like they have it. Right. And, and maybe they don't. Right. I think you when you spend time with a, with a kid and you figure out what their qualities and their attributes are mm. and then and then you have the evidence and it proves that they've used it. Right. Because because, you know, some people they have I went to school with this guy that was six, nine and he, he wanted to he wanted to play the bass guitar and play soccer. And the, the basketball coach was like, no, nah, you come to play basketball. Right. You're six, nine. And this dude was getting dunked on. He was getting cro- It was so, I mean, he was getting bullied. 
And everybody like, bro, you six nine. Like, but it, to him, he's like, I'm a soccer player and a bass player, I'm not a basketball player. Mm-hmm. So it looked like he had a skill and a tool, and everybody was looking at him like, you six nine, this is how you should be performing. But for him, he's like, nah, man, like I'm a bass player, bro. Right, like, right. And it, and it is, it was. I was, I was joking. I was like, man, it looks like his bass is a ukulele. He's just so <laughs> massive, like he's just like playing his. And he was really good at the bass. Right. But this 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 kid at the stool that he did not know. You can literally turn around and jump 12 inches and dunk the ball and you won't do it because mm-hmm. you don't know who you are. It's like the elephant on the peg, right? With the string, the mm-hmm. elephant can smash that string in that peg. But because he grew up with this mindset, he just didn't do it. So I say for, for mentors that they have a kid that has come into the situation that requires a tool that they think they don't have. This is where relationship and time and experience and attentiveness and attentiveness where you can look back and be like, no, you got that. You got it. Let me define it for you. You got that. This is what this is. Yeah. And I'm going to show you how you use that and I'm tool show you in how you all use these that. other yeah. areas. How you, come you can't do it here? Yeah. You've been using it. Yeah. And, and I think I think that comes into the the resiliency. When you talk about like low income and kids in poverty who believe they can't do stuff. Let me remind you what you've been doing. Yeah. Let me tell you what I know. I, I know that you are 16 and you help raise your four siblings. Mm-hmm. Let me let me t- let me tell you that you are a person that not only goes to school and makes straight A's, but you helping your siblings with homework. Yeah. That you cooking, you cleaning, you helping your mama, you walking the bus stops, you babysitting. Like you are resilient. Everything that you think you don't have, you you got all the way back here. This goes into another thing, right? When we when we talk about like this traditional sense of like professionalism or preparedness, how can we take the skills and tools that our kids have? And reshape and present them in a way that is acceptable, like through mainstream or like uh, this, this this popular environment, right? So people, like I would say that uh, a sixteen year old girl that has raised five kids has management experience. I, that's what I would say. I would say she has the ability. You're doing something to lead people, right? And so it's like, how do we take this non traditional because because these these environments aren't set up for this particular type of skill set, right? There's no direct transference. So as a mentor, now we're getting into launching. Now we're getting into launch, yeah, yeah, right? Launch. Okay, so transfer the skill. Yes. We we have inspired them into the into the relationship. Yeah. We have we have equipped them. Right. Several different ways. Yes. And now it's time to put them in a place where they can be successful. It's time to launch. Yes. Launch us there. Yes. So this is where this is where I am in a in a particular setting as a professional and I'm looking at someone who has the tools and the skills who don't think that they have it. And so now somebody who is a professional launcher, I have to not only continue to equip you but I have to leverage on your behalf my platform. This mm. is how we launch them into spaces, right? This is how we use our influence and our connections in order to let them know that they can do it. They just were unaware that it existed and that they could do it, right? This is the kid that goes to school who you talk to him about business and being an entrepreneur. And he's like, man, I don't want to do that. But he already selling candy bars. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's already flipping tennis shoes. He already, I, I know a girl that she, she was making money for prom because she was, she was adding butterfly wings to prom dresses she was only one of her kids her friends that knew how to to sew mm-hmm. right and so there people were bringing her prom dress and she was just sewing the wings on the back because it was like a fairy theme mm-hmm. right? it's like you you are a seamstress you are an <laughs> entrepreneur you got a business model yeah even if it just starts with butterfly wings on the back of a prom suit it's like you can make that money parlay it into something you know what i'm saying like we have this concept of of being able to stand in the future and look back and say no no you have what it takes and these are other people who were doing exactly what uh, the youngest uh, millionaire, self-made, self-made millionaire was the, the lady, uh, the, the girl that was drawing on flip-flops on the beach. Mm. Like she was a surfer and like in between like waves, she would color her flip-flops with, with Sharpies. And people were like, hey, where'd you get those 
those flip flops from? And she was like, oh, I made them. And they would pay her like 10 bucks. They would go buy flip flops, bring them back, and she would color on them. And then her mom came back and she had like 10 pair of flip flops out. And she's like, what are you doing? Oh, the lady paid me 10 bucks to make her, and they're all different designs. Mama immediately goes and, and gets money. And I think she made like her first million dollars when she was like 10 years old. Man. Absolutely insane. Putting them in position. So when you're talking about launching, what, what can we use to launch? What's the platform, the fuel, the avenue to launch our kids into spaces, right? That they feel like they're not prepared for, but I'm going to equip you, right? And, and, the, and, and the, the launch mm -hmm. is really easy for us as the, 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 the mentor, mm -hmm. but it is challenging yeah. for the mentee. And, and we want it to be a little bit of a stretch because they cannot grow if they're not stretched. And I can't, I can't launch you into a place that you're already in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> right. this is going to be new for you. It's going to be fresh. Right. So what, I, what I'm going to do is we're going to make it awkward. We're going to make it new. We're going to talk about some things that you probably didn't think you'd be talking about. We're going to put you in some spaces. You're going to shake some hands. You're going to see some things. You're going to do some things. And we're going to make, as we continue to expand that, we're going to make that normal. Right. If, if for, for those of us that, that believe in the, the stratosphere and the space and the great ethos in the universe. Right. It's this concept of we've spent the longest tr time trying to get outside of the earth. And then we got outside the earth. Right. We, we were going to the moon. And it was like, oh, well, can we get past the moon? Well, let's go to Mars. You know, it's like it's this concept. So now getting outside of, of the earth is normal. It's normal now. For me, when I was in North Tulsa, going out to South Tulsa was weird. Mm -hmm. But the Mars time I spent out in South Tulsa, I'm like, man, Tulsa small. Yeah. And then it was like, what's in Broken Arrow? Right. You know, and it's like, what's in Oklahoma City? And so it's like, when we're talking about launching, it, that, that immediate launch is going to be awkward. But we want to put these kids in spaces. This, let me tell you the truth. I, I want to launch my kids in the spaces that I haven't been into. Right. Right. I, I want to be, I want to, I want to contact a friend that is in a space that I'm not in and, and learn I literally want to, and learn it with them. Listen, I'm like, listen, I'm opening the door for you, but I'm coming right in behind you because yeah. we about to learn something together. And Deep to, trust there. Deep trust there. Oh yeah. And to me, that's, that's when you, that's, that's when you create this, this a space where it's almost like your relationship with the mentee transitions into something else. Mm -hmm. Right. Partnership. It, partnership. <laughs> dare I say friend yes. or, you know, like it, it mm -hmm. just kind of transforms. That's down the line a little bit, but we're talking about how do we, how do we inspire, not only how do we inspire them to trust us and to move in this mentorship relationship? How can I look at their life and see their potential? And I'm inspired to partner with them. How do we then move to the next level to where I take my tools and my gifts and my talents and whatever I have to equip them, right? And then once I feel like they are equipped or that they're equipped enough, how do we launch them into this next space? Yeah. And, and, and I, I know we've been talking about business. But I want to say that space doesn't necessarily have to be financial. It can be into a relationship with a significant other. Yeah. It can be, how do I go to college? It can be, how do I stand up for myself? Or how can um, I uh, start dressing differently? How can I start making decisions on my own instead of looking for other people? To, like whatever that space is that we've identified that they need to be launched into, we have to first be intuitive and attentive to be able to identify it so that we're not launching them into the, the, uh, some unknown target but they were very strategic in the areas in which we're partnering with them. Man. All right. I want to, I want to, I want to do this. When you come back on the podcast and this is what I want to do with you. Okay. I want to take one relationship Ooh. that grew to partnership. Okay. And I want you to walk us through that one relationship, telling all the stories about the ups, the downs, mm -hmm. the equipping, the realization that they are equipped, the yeah. tools, the passing on of tools. Like when, when the mentee says, I got this from Derek. I got yeah. this from Derek and then and if, and if it wasn't for Derek, I wouldn't have been in this space right now. And then how you know, as an adult, as an adult, you and that family, 
their their relationship, their kids, because you've been to baby showers, you've mm-hmm. been to marriages, yeah. you've done all that kind of stuff from from the beginning. I would love to just kind of walk through and kind of go on a ride with you through that relationship. And then at the same time, right, at the same time, Derek, you're growing mm-hmm. and you have kids and and how this just becomes a part of your DNA yeah. and how your kids and your wife got to know that this is just kind of who you are and what you what you do. And then how you have one of the one of the coolest things that you've done. No, I don't know. One of the cool things to me, you've done a lot of cool <laughs> things, a lot of cool things, is that you've taken police officers yeah. who want to serve and then you've turned them into mentors in the heart. That's a whole separate podcast. That's a whole separate podcast. Like they, it's a whole separate thing. Like these people wanted to do a program and they wanted to serve and they <laughs> wanted to work kids. But then you said, no, you have no idea. Yeah. Like you're working with Lieutenant Cuban and me, you're going to do more than just serve the group mentoring. You're going to be one-on-one. Yeah. And the ones that do it, do it well. And we had some people who didn't want to do it. Yeah, right. And they did, they didn't do it well. Right, right. right but the ones, oh, that's, that's a whole, a whole other story. A whole other story. So you equipped, you launched, you launched people. And so I appreciate everything that you do. I wish that we had more time to dive into your brain and how you're able to facilitate and and do connection for everybody. Talk about how we get more of Derek. Like, how do we find your books, books, Arthur? And and how do we how do we support that and learn from you in the books? Yeah. And then and how do we connect with you? Like, if we need you for 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 our group mentoring space. So I would immediately point you to social media, which is Derek Sire on all platforms, um, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram. Like it's all it's all the same. Derek Sire. Uh, you're not going to find too many more. And if there's some confusion, my face is there. But I'll also send you to uh, lifeofless.com, which you'll be able to find uh, my second book, which is Life of This, talking about just kind of be intuitive to small moment. In fact, I, I opened that, that book up with this book is for the people who notice a flower and then bend over to smell the flower. And while they're smelling the flower, they see two worms in the ground, right? It's like that next level of attentiveness. And then the first book is Small Stories, Big Teams, saying where everybody fits, like everybody contributes wherever they are. So you can find those on Amazon. You can go to lifeofthelist.com and pick them up. Uh, and if you want me to come out and work with your group, man, just hit me up through social media. I mean, I feel like that's the best way to do it. I have this bad habit of putting like my cell phone and everything. Don't do it's it. A, Don't do it. It's too late. It's already out on the other. <laughs> but it's like I get some strange calls, yeah, some strange texts. Yeah. I'm going to have to figure, figure that out. But yeah, I'm, I'm down to connect and share what I got, man. It's not mine. Man, love having conversations with you. I'm sure the world is going to love this conversation too. Let me remind everybody, you can mentor. Thanks.